what we had to do was unite what I estimated were about 80 million people in the United States who believed the way that we did, that this was this was medical tyranny and uh, there wasn't really a pandemic and all this sort of thing, who, were, who wanted freedom from this type of thing. We had to find a way to get those people together. And so that is how Make Americans Free Again started. But I will tell you this, if you wanted a partner in the destruction of humanity as we know it, there's no better partner than the Chinese government because they have no regard for humanity or for human life which is why they do live, you know, organ harvesting from live people. I mean, they, they are ruthless people. I mean, seriously, if you've been in my shoes investigating this for decades, um, well, three decades, you, you look at this and you say, well, it's just another day at the office for the medical profession. With the global economy being in shambles and central bankers moving towards a reset, it's never been a better time to protect your wealth by owning precious metals. Contact Andy at milesfranklin.com. Tell him Sarah sent you. He promised me he will guarantee you the lowest price anywhere in the country. Remember, email Andy at milesfranklin.com and tell him Sarah sent you. It's never been a better time to protect your future than now. Yeah, well, it seems like doctors, yeah, they make so much money. All they care about is making money or they just do what they're told. They don't, they memorize and that's about it. They're technicians, highly paid technicians instead of people who are really understanding the science and trying to figure it out. Not all, because I don't want to do a blanket stereotype, but there's way too many of them, but they're given this level of respect in society that the average person actually respects somebody with that shallow of understanding and that, I mean, that's a very dangerous situation. Yes, it is. And by the way, the, the, what is, you know, how to read the medical literature. We had, I invented something 27 years ago when I opened my company, when I noticed that any, you could justify anything that you want to tell people to do with articles in medical journals because of what I just told you. I mean, you know, the guy in South Africa published fraudulent data in a medical journal and then people read it. And I mean, I, I read the article, I would have asked a lot of questions about it before I was gonna start uh, doing this to anybody. Um, so what, what, how do we define what is scientifically viable, right? Well, you have to have rules. I tell people, I teach by analogy so people can understand. If football was defined as an hour of running up and down the field with a football with two teams, you could never figure out who won. So we have rules. The game is an hour. There are four 15-minute quarters, and a first down is always 10 yards. And to kick a field goal, you go between the posts every time. It never varies. So what happens at the end of a football season is you can play thousands of games, and you have some squabbles about a few plays. But we generally know who won the game and who won the championships and all that sort of thing, right? Well, when you start applying it to the medical literature, you find out that 95% of what's in there is garbage. 95%. I'm not kidding. All right. And, and so what rules do we apply? Well, conflicts of interest should be looked at. And there's no they're required to disclose, but they don't. I can do a simple Google search and I show doctors how to do this all the time. You can find out that they lie about their conflicts in the New England Journal of Medicine, in the big five, Lancet, BMJ, et cetera. Um, we look at things like it's statistically significant, but clinically meaningless. In other words, if I prescribe, if I, I don't have prescribing authority in Ohio, but if I prescribed a drug that reduced your incidence of chest pain from six times a week to five times a week, that's statistically significant. It doesn't change your life at all. 
but I can prescribe that drug to millions and millions of people, right? 20% difference or whatever, 20% increase. Yeah. 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 So, so anyway, we have 19 rules that we use to filter and nobody can disagree with them. I've never had anybody agree to a debate with me on any of them. And so if we just taught rules, okay, like football, there's rules of the game. All right. I can't play football. I'm 65 years old. I weigh 119 pounds. Nobody's going to let me on the football team. So we have rules for everything else. We just don't have any rules for medicine. And medicine is not going to get any better until we have those kinds of rules. And that is the foundation for what I want to eventually do, which is to start a healthcare system based on those rules. And it will get rid of the thing that keeps competitive health systems from evolving. And that is that the costs just kill you. Well, when people are given the right decision tools based on some rules of filtering, they consume a whole lot less healthcare. So, well, I would sure like to see the holistic doctors, um, you know, where you solve, solve the source of the issue and focus on nutrition and more of a holistic approach. I would like to see our culture and our medical systems change into more of that direction. And I mean, we would, the health of people and happiness of people would skyrocket if we just changed our paradigm a little bit. But uh, this is just amazing, the things that you're talking about. I think that the same attitudes exist in a lot of different areas. And medicine, we just watched their ugly head come up. I know with chlorine dioxide solution, the Navy used it for Ebola. And so they know it works well. But whenever anybody in this country, you know, other countries use it, and the holistic doctors use it all over the place. The, the Kalker Institute has... Uh, phase three trials and hundreds over hundred thousand people now and they have you know a look and a lot but here if anybody's giving it they come in hazmat suits and confiscate it like you're the worst person in the world yep. i mean these... and that's been going on for a long time too some people have heard of harry hoxie who, yeah uh, hoxie formula they ran him out of the country here's the thing nobody knows about hoxie little known facts i'm full of these little known facts right so people say you should get a life pam and do something other than read medical history but anyway so hoxie had his his grandfather developed this paste that was used for cancer treatment it worked it actually worked but nobody in the family was i think the grandfather might have been a veterinarian the father was a veterinarian harry always wanted to go to medical school but never did so he was a lay person with good ideas right however he was vilified by the american medical association they were out to get him. They had 300,000 people on their uh, list of quacks back in the day when they were going after Hoxie. But in any case, long story short, um, Hoxie was arrested hundreds of times. He went to trial dozens of times. He won every trial except for two, and one was overturned on appeal. People don't tell you that part of the story, but I haven't gotten to the punchline yet. So they finally put him out of business. His nurse, Mildred Nelson, moved the clinic to uh, Mexico. Later on, you probably have heard, almost everybody's heard in medicine of the Mohs uh, procedure, which uses a paste and then very careful uh, slicing of, um, this is for skin cancer patients primarily, to make sure that you don't disfigure somebody when you're taking skin cancer out on the face or any place on the body, right? Do you know what that paste is? And Mohs, Eric Mohs patented it. It's Hoxie, all right? So when a medical doctor patents it, it's a good thing. It's a standard of care worldwide for certain types of skin cancer. But if you are the grandson of a veterinarian who's curing cancer and you're not a medical doctor and it's not a pharmaceutical product, then you get run out of the country and you die a broken, bankrupt person. So again, nothing new, 
It's just the same thing. And, and the only way that we're going to fix this is to have enough people understand it and drop out of the system. In other words, you can't reform this mess. It's not reformable. You've got too many bad things going on and too many people who are entrenched in this behavior, including some unwitting, I'm going along to get along, like I'm not aware of how bad my training was kind of mentality. Um, so I think I'm doing the right thing. And often the alternative practitioners aren't any more evidence-based. I hate to, to say that, I'm a naturopath, but I got to fess up. Everybody has to get honest about their, their tribe at some point, right? The alternative practitioners aren't always a whole lot better. They hurt people less, but I don't think the goal of medicine should be to hurt people less. It's to make people well. Yes, right. And to get to the source of the problems and to train people to take care of themselves better so that we have less problems and we're happier and we're healthier and everything else. I think we're sicker now, at least mentally we are, sicker now than we've ever been. Cancer is highest than it's ever been, ever, you know, autism, ever. So we have these issues that are just overwhelming people. But part of me thinks that they like it because they're making a killing on people. And it's, Go ahead. It's not, it, it is that I don't think it's that they like the autism or they like the deaths or they like the cancer as much as it is that that's just an unfortunate byproduct of what we're doing, where we're going, what we want. In other words, I, I again, I think we might give these people just too much credit to think that Maybe. they're getting yeah. better and planning it. They're just all showing up when, and they're given permission to do whatever they want to do. And, and you know, I remember when the, the financial one of the financial crises hit. And uh, I was talking to a friend of mine and uh, and he said, you know, a lot of this happened because it was there was opportunity for it to happen. Right. He said, you know, if, think of it this way, Pam, if you put a hundred dollar bill on the floor of the main room in your office where people come in and they go to the various places in your building, how long do you think it would be there before somebody would pick it up and say, hundred dollar bill laying on the floor? Must I mean, it's been there the last three times I came in what the heck, right? Oh, yeah. So, so that's, I think we've created an environment for a lot of bad things to happen. And, and we have to make sure that we're not just operating, trying to fix this at the outer edges, because that that never works. It's sort of like treating the symptom, not the cause of the disease. And, and we can't fix what's there. We, there's no fixing the FDA. There's no fixing conventional medical education at this point. What you have to do is you have to take the doctors who are willing to subscribe to what I've told you. You might be right about this, Pam, so I want to learn the right way to do it. We have a school here. We teach people how to do what we do, informed medical decision-making. You have to set up an alternative healthcare system. You have to gather up massive numbers of consumers who understand what's going on with medical tyranny, who begin to amass enough power to say, we're just not going to comply. And, and, and there are little signs of this non-compliance working, all right? So, you know, go, during the lockdowns, I live in a county of 2 million people, there were like 20 citations given for businesses that didn't comply and nobody actually got prosecuted. I was open the whole time. I mean, I'm, and I was public about it. I announced it. You know, they sent somebody, sent some 25 year old person here. I told her to get out of the building. I never heard from anybody again, right? I told her I wasn't compliant and then leave, go, right? They didn't do anything about it because they knew they didn't have any legal grounds. Um, look at the number of people who are pulling their children out of these god awful places we used to call school, all right? Well, we're seeing buildings close. We're seeing teachers losing their jobs and not, you know, they're, they're, and the school systems, they don't like to talk about this much, but they are panicking a little bit at the withdrawals. There, there are more children in homeschool than have ever before. I mean, the public education has driven the growth of homeschooling 
better than any promotional program from home for homeschooling could have ever done, right? So, so the citizens basically staking out their territory and refusing to go along is a very important part of this. But, and then there's a huge caveat here, you have to amass enough people to really make a difference. So that's why it's important to gather people. We're gathering people at the local level and we do a lot of good work at the local level to keep ourselves going while we're getting to the place of critical mass. But you know, the way that you disable a school system is all the kids get pulled out or most of them, all the thinking people pull their kids out on the same day and they say, we're not sending them back until you stop all this crap that you're doing in the schools. It would end in a weekend. If 80 million people around the United States said, no, I'm not wearing a mask, not closing my business. I'm that's actually right. not gonna buy. Yeah, that, that's what you have to do. You have, you have to have critical mass. So we have a lot of people kind of running around because they're upset. Now, I call it the pants on fire mentality. You know, They're very upset for good reason. But, but they haven't been organized into some kind of critical mass that could actually fight this. So it's a lot of wasted energy, not intentionally, but it, it's a lot of squandered effort as opposed to very organized effort. Okay, you got to run this like a business. You got to- That's right, these yep. people. They've had a long time to become powerful and we're not going to get rid of these people or overcome what's going on by disorganized, scattered effort. It's going to be strategy and critical thinking that's going to overcome all this. You, I want to be on Team Smart. I, I, I've been telling people I don't want to be on Team Stupid, and that's the running around with the pants on fire. And and yeah. we need to unite. And I've been saying all of these things too. You're just the actual one doing it, and I'm the one talking about it. But I don't know what you know. It's like there needs to be people like me, and then there needs to be people like you, and people need to all join this. This is just wonderful. I want to say one thing. It reminds me of uh, when you talked about the public schools is the best. Um, advertisement to get out of the public schools. Uh, Lincoln once said to get rid of a, a terrible law, you enforce it strictly. <laughs> that's <laughs> way, yeah. yeah, that's good. It's true. It's it true. true. So, well, this is wonderful. I mean, the fact that you're doing this, I mean, this is the model that we need to follow. I mean, we have the the resources to do it. We just have to take, just do it. My husband has always said that, uh, Sarah, you're giving people way too much credit. These people are not smart enough to organize this stuff. It's just a bunch of incompetent people and things are just happening. I mean, I don't know. I think it's a combination of things, mm -hmm. but uh, you know, it's a combination of smart people pulling the strings and taking advantage of what they see happening right. and what you're saying of just this power hungry people being people. And it's people, the good people in this world need to stand up and say enough is enough. We're not following this crap. I mean, right. this is ridiculous. And yeah. I also think that our children are being so abused and so used that we're, um, a lot of it is just suffering from generation after generation of our kids not being nurtured and raised properly. And so we got a lot of whack jobs in positions of power who have, who are suffering little kids emotionally because they've never, you know, they haven't dealt with their abuse as a child. And I think we have a lot of that in mass. Right. And it's worse now. We do. And, and a lot of it's citizens have abdicated. In other words, parents used to be involved in the school and the school could not do things the parents didn't approve of. But now that's been abdicated. You know, you talk about we've got to organize. I think um, I think the a word that I use and, and I, I'll, I'll just confess, I'm an OCD perfectionist, lunatic organizing systems kind of person. All right. Probably they would have diagnosed me on some spectrum if I was born early, later than I was. But I, I use this word discipline in terms of how we fight this. 
And you, you know, we talked about pants on fire, right? Well, you have to do the opposite of pants on fire. And so if you're going to unite 80 million people, you've got to find some common ground and you got to keep out things that divide people because we got to have people of all idea, you know, political ideologies. We got to bring a lot of like-minded people together, like-minded meaning against medical tyranny, because that's the issue here. Medicine, I mean, Hitler used health as a way to justify what he did. When he put all the Jews in the Warsaw ghetto, he said, we have to do this. They're ter- carriers of typhus and all the people watched it happen. And so that's right, we don't want typhus, right? So, so this has been going on for a long time. Again, nothing new, just bigger, right? So what we have to do is basically say, look, the, the, the thing we want collectively is we want freedom from medical tyranny. And that means everything from the government's ability to make us wear a mask or close our businesses to, um, forced vaccinations for children and CPS taking your kid away because you didn't like what the doctor told you to do and you moved to another doctor. You have to end that. What you have to keep out is the things that divide people. So we make sure that our groups do not endorse political candidates. We don't get into Second Amendment. We don't get into election laws. There's a lot of stuff you can be interested in. And I tell people all the time with our groups, understand that you know pre-COVID, you seem to know what lane to stay in depending upon where you were. So again, teaching by analogy, you can belong to a book club, a Second Amendment rights group, and you can start a Make Americans Free Again group, right? Now, if you bring your guns to book club, your book club members may not be too fond of that, right? If I start reading book reports at my Make Americans Free Again meeting, people may wonder why they drove <laughs> over to the meeting. Maybe they don't like my taste in books. So you keep all this stuff separate. And, and this is a new mentality for health freedom because the, the movement is decades old and it's been largely unsuccessful because of scattered effort. We're gonna send emails to legislators. Then we're gonna draft model legislation. The legislatures are useless. There's no sense in doing that. Our legislature here in Ohio hasn't passed a single law since this started that would prevent it from happening again. And there are only two or three in the whole country. And by the way, everybody thinks that it's so swollen Florida. They're one election away from the same thing happening there because there's not a single law on the books that would prevent a governor other than DeSantis from doing what happened in Ohio and in Minnesota and in California, et cetera. So, so you have to you have to start looking at this like a business. Like, what is your opportunity? Okay. If you're gonna if you're gonna open a restaurant, the location, how much is the rent? What do you have to sell the food for? You have to start applying those same general principles to this. And I think that's what we've done. And it's not been easy because pants on fire and signing petitions and protesting is so much more fun than we're gonna meet every Thursday. We're going to keep things out of this meeting that divide people. We're going to find things to help us give meaning meaning to life and survival of life, like mentoring programs for experienced homeschool parents with inexperienced homeschool parents, community gardens because of food shortages, saving small businesses. These are things we have to do to take control of and restore our society. And it's more work and less fun than let's go scream at the state house with our pants on fire for an afternoon. And it's venting but it's not changing anything. And we've got to get focused on the things that can actually change things. So it's a message that I know is the right one from a business perspective, but you'd think sometimes I was asking people to get a root canal without anesthesia. (laughs) And you tell them, this is what we have to do, you know? That's actually a great story because I know that the shows that I do that are more, I don't know, like I just did a show on fake alien invasion, which is interesting. And they are 
there's evidence that they're doing some of this stuff, but that's way more popular than talking about like real things that we need to do. It, it really is the way that it is. It just is what it is. It's hard to balance that out from my perspective, because I want to make sure that we're looking at solutions and doing things right, but it has to be interesting. So people actually will watch and engage. And uh, that's just kind of the way it is in human nature. And I wish we, it, you know, how bad does it have to get before we start realizing that we need to go and do the push-ups when people aren't looking? You know, that's how you get better. I always say, it's not what you do when everybody's paying attention. It's what you do when people, it's a discipline that you have. But uh, this is just a great conversation. I do think that there's other areas that are very scary, like um, what NATO is doing with our um, Norfolk Naval Base, because we know that they have uh, a operationally ready NATO command force at Norfolk, ready to support the new inter support the international order. Mm -hmm. And um, I think they're pretty much ready to take over our whole Navy naval system. I mean, there's some big things going on. And I think there's, I see, I've kind of broken it down into three areas. I've healthcare, um, military and financial. Mm -hmm. And um, those three areas are the areas that we really need some um, high level operative activists, people who know how to get things done, people that have been in the trenches getting things done and know how to be those operatives, but realizing that our futures on the line and we need to get this done and then also supporting the first and second amendment so you need those people focusing on those i look at it from a, a systems perspective that's my background so i look at the big picture and how it all these elements tie in and how we can structure it so that we can save humanity if you will at least or save our sovereignty but those are the three big areas that i see that they're going after because the financial area is kind of what funds everything and um, they're going for it. They're going for a worldwide digital currency where they can track absolutely everything in every detail. Mm -hmm. um, so these are big three areas. And I think what you got going on is, is phenomenal. And it's a model for how we need to go about doing this. Mm -hmm. Along with getting the right activists who are trained activists, very serious, doing the boring work, but get things done and know how to do it. Right. Well, and I think you bring up a, a really good point which is we do have to pay attention to the military aspect of this and the financial aspect of this. But you have to give, one of the things that I've noticed is that you have to give people, people need immediate reward for what they do, right? And so the immediate reward, and we started the first group here. And by the way, the only reason I started the groups was because I figured that the cost of litigating all the things that we would have to litigate to undo this would be somewhere a few hundred million dollars. I mean, the cost of getting the existing doctors who are in trouble out from under, it's going to be 50 to 100 million alone. If no new doctors get in trouble, this is expensive. And we got to get rid of this like crazy idea that you're going to get lawyers to work for free for 10 years. Good luck with that. They have kids. They can't. They can't, right. They so, can't. Well, they but, have to get paid. It's like our lawsuit, freedom of speech yeah. lawsuit. You've got to pay people. Yeah. yeah. You have to pay people. You get what you pay for. So so I was going to build these groups because many hands make light work. Many members, small donations add up to a lot, right? So that was the original reason for starting the group. But what happened in my group, and then we duplicated it all over the place, is that people came and you could see, you can, always, you can still see the new people. They walk in and they are just, they are shell-shocked about all this. They need new friends. They need new churches. They need new associations. I mean, my whole life blew up, not my business, thankfully, 
but all the connections that I had to colleagues and the nonprofits that I was involved in, it's all gone, right? I needed new everything, right? So I saw that and, and people started um, looking forward to the meetings because it was a way to, to um, meet like-minded people. And then they, you know, some people are better friends with some than others and all that sort of thing. But um, so we just capitalized on that. And uh, the reason for people coming back is first of all, because this is where your friends are. And second of all, because we do things where there's an immediate reward. Um, and I'll just give you a couple of examples. The mentoring program from experienced parents to inexperienced parents. My massage therapist has two teenage girls and um, she pulled them out of school and neither kid was very happy about it, as you might imagine. Um, another mom has always homeschooled, member of our group here, who took her under her wing and showed her what to do. And, and one of the first things that, that she said is forget about school for a while. Let's get your child interested in reading. Let's find out what she's interested in. Well, the bottom line is here we are a year later and um, one girl graduated and uh, the other one says, mom, I don't wanna go back to school. I'm pretty happy with this arrangement we have. And I mean, this was a kid who was apoplectic a year and a half ago. Now, this is what I wanna do. That's a success story. There's a Chinese restaurant um, not very far from my office, and uh, they were starving to death, a combination of construction and lockdowns, you know, so we just started saying at the meeting, go buy Chinese food, which people did, and, and we put those people back on their feet, in fact, they started giving me free food, and I said, listen, stop giving me free food, pay off your loans, right, I can pay for food, but I appreciate it, but just pay off your loans. And every time I go in there now, there's there's people in there, right? There's nobody. That's in there. wonderful. That's so, exactly. That's the community little, culture yeah. stuff that we need to do. That's so wonderful. Yeah, we had a we had a member of our group who um, uh, imports Polish pottery, and I don't know if you were around Mike back then, but the night we had the Polish pottery sale. We all bought, I have a lot of Polish pottery. I have a closet full of Polish pottery. Every time it's an anniversary or a birthday party or whatever, I got everything you need. You need cups, you need saucers, you need platters, I've got. But people bought an enormous amount of this stuff. And this woman, there were no health fair or arts festivals or anything, she had no place to market it. So, you know, a few thousand dollars worth of business in one night was just life-changing for her. So that's what keeps, and now we have a six acre community garden and people are, they actually brought produce from the garden to show everybody this is what we're doing with the, with uh, the volunteers and everything else. So it's tangible, like reason to show up, tangible benefits for members. And that's going on all over the country. And so, and the big idea is we raise hundreds of millions of dollars to fund lawsuits that are filed by good strategic lawyers who work in tandem with one another through a strategic, you know, having a strategy rather than just hurry up and file because there are a lot of failed lawsuits in this country too. Um, and then eventually having a big enough mass of people that just refusal to comply makes it over within a weekend. And uh, so it works. It's just a long, hard slog because it hasn't been done before. And anytime you do something new, it's a long, hard slog, right? But we're doing it. And it's we'll hard get... work. I mean, that's how you that's how you become great. It's hard work. Well, how do people get hold of you and how do they um, get involved in this? Because that's what they're looking for is a solution that they can, you know, wrap their arms around and feel good about it. Right. Well, sure. Um, my my email address is pampopper at msn.com. So send me an email. Uh, a couple things. I put out a newsletter on Monday and four videos a week, Tuesday through Friday, all free. So you can sign up to be a subscriber of that. 
He'll know what we're doing and how we're doing it. I'm a good girl on Tuesday when I'm on YouTube and then the rest of the days I say what I think. Uh, but um, uh, anyway, that's that's free. Um, and then I well, hold on one second. This is part of the deal. Are you also on other platforms that are freedom oriented? I'm on every other platform. Okay, because YouTube, so, yeah, because yeah, YouTube, I, it's I, I like at this... one point, how, part of the solution is not necessarily to support YouTube, but support these other freedom platforms, and then right. YouTube and I, becomes obsolete. Okay. But go ahead. Yeah, and and by the way, that decision, just so you know, I have a lot of mouths to feed here at Wellness Forum. No, I get so it. Yeah, I have to. No, I, I get, trust me, I get it. So, okay. So anyway, but free, free stuff. You sign up for free stuff. I hold conference calls regularly where I talk about what we do, how we do it, and how you can get involved. Um, I can send the meeting leader agreement and the handbook on how to operate your group. We'll help you get started. Uh, we do, um, we offer conference calls every three weeks to go up, you know, answer questions and all that sort of thing for our meeting leaders. We send out an agenda every Thursday that says, this is the video you play. This is the discussion you're going to have. We make it very very easy to be a group leader and to build with us. So if you want to learn more about Make Americans Free Again and sign up for free stuff, my um, uh, email address is pampopper at msn.com. The website is makeamericansfreeagain.com. Makeamericansfreeagain.com. Feel free to go there and take a look and, um, and we can show you how to do this. I have, I will tell you this, you know, I've been less impacted by many, by this whole thing than many people. And I think part of God's plan to have somebody who has the financial resources and people to do this, right? So we never closed. I've been around people. I was never locked in my house. I haven't suffered financially. Having said that, the group is the best thing that ever happened to me. I've met mm -hmm. new friends. I have, a, I have a whole new life through my Make Americans Free Again friends. And we have each other's back. I can tell you that there is nothing that I can think of that I would need, that the group members of the group wouldn't provide. If I didn't have any food, they would feed me. If I needed a place to stay, they'd take me in. You know, so there, there's knowing that if you were ever in a foxhole, there are people you could call on who would join you there and help you, right? That's huge. It's huge. And most people probably never had it. I look back on my former connections. Um, they were quite superfluous, some of them, before this all happened. The ones that make Americans free again, not so much. So I think this is important for personal reasons, as well as let's save our country reasons. Well, we have to get back to community, right? We got to get back to the connections between human beings. And right. what... And that's how we're going to say everything ties together. That's how we're going to save this country is to reestablish our, con our connection to each other on top of the things that you're talking about. But that's a byproduct, right? That's and, a byproduct. And, and it has to be done live. People don't need another Zoom meeting. And let me tell you something. When you need somebody to take care of your kid for three hours, a per I live in Columbus, Ohio. A person in Oregon can't help me. I need somebody who lives yeah. two streets over, right? Yes. So yeah. the personal live connection is so impossible. None of our meetings, we do not permit meetings to operate by conference call or Zoom. It has to be humans in the same room. And I'll say one other thing about this that's important. You know, when this started, what is the one thing that they fought? What is the overarching thing? They did not want us to congregate. You know what that told me? The number one thing we have to do is start congregating. That's right. Did. We had 100 people in this room every Thursday night when the gathering limits were 10, and we were proud of our disobedience. We lived mask-free lives for the most part. We couldn't do much about nursing homes and hospitals, but we lived mask-free lives, and, and we were together in this. We're in this together was an abused term 
when they had everybody locked up in their home and you're trying to be in this together with a bunch of criminals. But in this together, in the same room, people with the same ideology, this means something entirely different. And I think that um, we can- They always perverse things, right? They perverse what you're talking about, but go ahead. No, I was going to say, so if they don't want us to congregate, congregating is what we must do no matter what. They must have known that if enough of us gone to, got together, that this would be a big trouble for them. And it has been. Our lot, we hadn't talked it about will be. It'll and, be more. Uh, It'll come to fruition. They can't yeah. get away with this. Too many people yeah. have died. This is this is another Holocaust. And it's our modern day Holocaust. And people must pay for this. And we got more right. to fight. And they will. They're, they're, we're still in the middle of this war. This is not over by any means, just because I'm seeing what's going on with other areas of our society. But this is so wonderful. So thank you so much. I'll have all the links below. And thank you for your time today. And thank you for everything that you are doing. Thank you. I, I got my wish. I wanted to meet you. And I got to do that. So thank oh, you. Excellent. <laughs>